Hello everyone and welcome back to the Hot Sanctuary podcast with your hosts Deirdre and Chevy. That's me. Here's an opportunity for you to catch your breath. Literally. <laughs> in this episode, we will explore the untapped potential that lies hidden in something we do 23,000 times a day. Breathing. So stay tuned as we share not one, but two simple breathing techniques that we have personally benefited from. So you might be wondering, if we breathe 23,000 times a day, why is there the need to have a, an episode dedicated to breathing? Or you might be thinking, why call it Remember to Breathe? It's something that we are already doing unconsciously. But this is really important stuff. So that's why we wanted to share this with you. So why is breathing important? Well, where to start? Well, how about at the start? <laughs> it's the first and the last thing we do in life. Everyone, like no matter what color, gender, gender orientation, nationality you are, that is true for you. The first thing and the last thing you do is breathe. That's one big one. Um, it's it's basically life. If you don't if you don't breathe, you're not alive. I mean. You know, your your brain could stop and you could still be alive. But breathing is even more important than that. It's the part of the brain that's happening, um, a function that's happening automatically. But it's one of the few that we can actually control. We can take conscious control over. I mean, there's other ones that's happening naturally, digestion, blood flow. But we can't take that tar- charge of that like we can with our breathing. So there's something special. It's almost like this little loopholes yeah. glitch in the matrix a little <laughs> portal to open up to something else and that's part of the the wonder of it and i think this is another important importance of breathing is if you just pause and sit still and pay attention to your breath it's powerful stuff it's like this body's just doing it by itself and we with our little egos pretend like we are you know in charge and all powerful and it's all up to us and blah blah we stress ourselves out about that but yet we can't the body's just breathing the body's doing keeping itself alive in spite of us in many mm. instances mm. so that's something really special is this this to just sit in wonder and awe of this miracle that's happening all the time 23,000 times a day um, and to be in full realization of what that, what a blessing that is, what gratitude we have or should have for that. So name me a few of the benefits of conscious breathing. Oh, there are so many. How about, how about we experience one benefit before yes. we delve into yes. to the wide range of yes. them? Um, as always, I suggest sitting at the edge of your chair um, because that helps tilt your pelvis and straighten up your spine, honoring its natural curvature. And that way, your lungs have more space to do what they do. There's natural alignment that happens when your spine straightens up. So let's start with that. Sit at the edge of your, of your chair. Or if you're sitting on a block, sit on the edge of the block. Again, that tilting of the pelvis. So that's one key, building the foundation. Then 
just making sure that you're not going to be interrupted, that you can maybe close the door, um, undo your, your belt, <laughs> maybe because you want to have loose fitting clothing, um, not to have restricted and ideally doing this on an empty stomach. Um, and in a room that's kind of room temperature. Okay, so your back is straight and your environment is, is conducive. Next, I suggest closing your eyes because this practice of just that simple action of turning your attention inwards, closing your eyes, it redirects energy from your senses that we normally disperse inwards. And we start to, to use that energy to for a higher purpose, for something deeper. Um, okay, so closing the eyes. And as you breathe in, do so through the nose. Send the breath all the way down to your belly by pushing the belly out. And then bring that air up through the lungs, mid chest, upper chest. And exhale in the same order. Pull your belly button towards your spine. Relax your mid chest, relax your upper chest. And keep going. Inhale into the belly, mid chest, and then upper chest. And exhale, pull your belly button in. Relax the mid chest, relax the upper chest. Keep breathing like this. This is called three part yogic breath or the full yogic breath. So we're filling the lungs from the bottom up. And we're exhaling, emptying the lungs from the bottom up. Pull the belly button in, relax the mid chest, relax the upper chest. Let's do that a few more times. And you'll notice as you're breathing in like this, your posture naturally straightens up because you're expanding your lung capacity, getting natural alignment and balance with the body the breath, and the mind. Let's do one more. Full deep yogic breath. And exhale completely. Now let your breath just settle back to its natural rhythm. And you'll notice with daily practice that this becomes effortless. You'll naturally start to think more fully with time, with effort. As those muscles learn how to breathe properly, there's a memory in the muscles. And it becomes second nature. So how is that for you, Shirley? Wow, I can feel my voice changing now. As I'm speaking to you, mm. it's much more calmer, less stress when I talk. Who can benefit from Conscious breathing. Well, the U.S. Defense Force is already using breathing techniques. Specifically, the Navy SEALs are using calming, relaxing techniques to calm their nervous system before they go into battle. So these guys, they would use the latest technology that's available, and it has to be efficient. Um, so I think that already speaks volumes to the credibility of breathing techniques. Um, the same for, for war veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. 
um, they've, there's been significant indicators of less PTSD symptoms after they've done the breathing technique. Up to um, a year later, they still have no reports um, of any of the symptoms coming back. So you and I, we all can breathe differently. Like, for example, in this breathing technique that we just did, mm. um, there are benefits like relaxation, but there's also benefits of energizing. So it depends on what technique you use. Um, there's also non-reactivity or less reactivity. We spoke a bit about this last week, finding that stimulus, the space between stimulus and response. Yes. Um, this breathing technique can help us create that space by slowing down the body, con by controlling our breath, we're slowing down our mind, and then we are more aware of the thoughts. There's more space between the thoughts and the witness of the thoughts, and then there's more perceived freedom to choose whether we entertain that thought with, you know, giving it attention, allowing the story to play out, allowing the emotion to that follows to make a story, you know, to kind of entertain that idea, and then, and then speaking about it, another way of reinforcing it, and then acting on it, another way of reinforcing it. So the breathing gives us that space to basically change the trajectory of our life because your thoughts lead to your words, lead to your actions, lead to your daily habits and, and where you're headed in life. So it comes back to breath. <laughs> mm. So I don't know if I'm answering your question of why breathing is important. It's extremely important. What is your experience with breath work? My experience, well, I guess it started at a young age. Um, I I was diagnosed when I was four years old with uh, asthma, and it's now chronic asthma because it's lasted more than six months, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so breathing has always been a deal for me, a big uh, a sore point in many ways because it affected... My life. I was absent maybe 30 days every school year. Um, and a lot of that time was spent just struggling to breathe. I couldn't participate in sports. I had to be using the inhaler or um, hooked up to the nebulizer. Uh, and re regularly rushed into hospital with complications because with the asthma comes sinus problems and... Um, nasal issues and what else pneumonia bronchitis like all these things can can follow on Aller allergies are also very common so there's a whole set of things when you've got asthma it's not just that you can't breathe um so it requires some significant changes in your life like we couldn't have pets for example i had to sleep on a certain kind of pillow you couldn't participate in sports couldn't be too far away from home and so I missed out on, on schoolwork as well and homework had to be brought to me. I mean, the benefit was actually that I I learned how to study in many different ways, to learn on my own because I had to catch up on my own and then do things in a shorter space of time to get the assignments and things due. So though I guess there were lessons that, like with everything, there are lessons and to be taken from what we perceive as good or bad. Ashma, 
ironically, ironically, I recall being told to do breathing exercises as a child to help with my asthma, and I never did. It was just I didn't have the discipline or the time or the care to to do the breathing techniques. And I actually can't even remember what they were. Like what pat now that now I know a wide range of breathing techniques. But I now can't remember what I was taught because I never did it. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um so in one sense that seed was planted <laughs> early on, but it didn't come to fruition until later. So I've been teaching yoga now for ten years. And the ten years this year actually. I need to celebrate that. We need to celebrate that. Yeah, yes. And practicing yoga for 22 years. Now, people who don't practice yoga might not realize how, what big a part breathing is of yoga. Especially in classical Hatha yoga. The classical Hatha text, I mean, classical yoga text uh, by Patanjali is called the Yoga Sutras. And they talk about different ways to come to the state of yoga or union or harmony, depending on how you would like to express that at any point in time. Um, and only one of eight, there's, there's eight limbs that they recommend, but only one of those eight is asana, poses, which is what, if you go to Instagram to yoga to, and look up yoga, what is emphasized is this asana. But it's only one of eight. So what are those other eight? One whole one is breathing. It's, it's, just, it's a whole thing on its own. And it has knock-on effects on two other of the of the eight. The one, because the one is it's called pranayama, which is the control of the prana or the life force, which is closely associated with breath. But then there's also pratyahara, which is turning inwards. And... With the breathing techniques, you automatically start to turn inwards. There's this attention that's being normally dispersed through our senses out to people and situations. We redirect that inwards and we're like, hey, we can actually use that for something intimate, something vulnerable, something real and authentic, deeper than what's going on out there. Because a lot of that is up for debate. <laughs> you know, it's relative. It's... Mm -hmm. It's subjective. Mm -hmm. Like we're all filtering stuff. You know, what is actually real? There's, there's what you think happened, what I think happened, and then what actually happened. So it is, yeah. So turn inwards. You redirect that energy inwards. And then one of the others is meditation on its own. This is a very misunderstood concept <laughs> in yoga, the way it's, it's defined in the classical writings. Um, if people think of meditation, they're likely to go to an app and go through some kind of guided um, script that takes you to a certain point of calming your mind and, and or visualization or um, relaxing or something like that. But the classical writings of yoga define meditation very differently. They say they. They say as a precursor to, to meditation, concentration, dharana, is this action of the subject 
focusing on an object and fixing its attention to that. So the subject being me looking at a candle flame, for example, a very common um, object of concentration to be used across traditions. So there's me, the subject, looking at the object, the candle, flame, and every time my mind wants to wander off, because that's how what it's uh, been allowed to do, like an untrained dog just wandering off as it wishes, there's going to be resistance and it's going to want to leave and think about the future and the past and the thing that happened earlier and that other thing that I have to take care of later. It does that and it's been allowed to, so it puts up a fight um, when you finally retrain it. But it's with patience, with perseverance of repeatedly over and over again, bringing your attention back to that object. You are wearing down the mind's resistance and it's becoming more compliant and it's quietening down, it's slowing down. And at some point, this becomes effortless. This concentration, the way I'm putting a conscious effort to focus on that thing, it's just, it's just a flow that happens. And that is what the classical writings define as meditation. Effortless concentration. It's not what we commonly, it's the same with us, it's not what we commonly, and it's so beautiful because it's like this, we know intuitively this idea of the flow, of being in some kind of alignment where things are just easy. Mm. Where it's like, you know, you just, like the matrix or <laughs> bob and weave kind of thing, it's effortless and it's beautiful. So what you're saying is the importance here is practice. Yes, extremely daily practice, hence the title of this episode, Remember to Breathe. And so we're not talking about just this natural um, breathing which we do naturally 23,000 times a day, autonomic system being in charge of it. It is this conscious breathing, so making it a practice and maybe using one of the techniques that we're doing today. Just five, ten minutes a day will be plenty just to get you into that rhythm. And rhythmic breathing is actually one <laughs> one of the many techniques that, that you could um, try. And so by breathing, it will allow my voice to improve just by breathing correctly. Yes. Yes. So, for example, like I said earlier, and when we did that practice, posture plays a big thing. Yeah. So just by keeping your spine straight, you are already giving your lungs more room to do what it's supposed to do. Then things fall into alignment. Things are as they are. And good posture is not defined as looking like a marine from the side. You know, it's not like that erect kind of soldier style. Correct posture is defined as posture that is is comfortable, easy, effortless, and doesn't cause you pain. That is the yogic definition of what good posture is. Of course, different traditions will have different medical will have their own. But that's the yogic definition. So potentially, so what potentially actually says, bearing a little away from breathing here, but this seems relevant. With regards to asana, he said the asana should be firm, but still relaxed. So this is what we're talking about for the spine in terms of 
how to optimize for breathing and then stay still that is part of the challenge we're so used to in our city lives our busy demanding deadline based lives to sit still and just slow down slow down and make it something that's here now and not some future target goal that we are pushing towards so we're always moving forwards we're never staying right here um so yeah breathing is pretty awesome would you like to share another breathing technique with us please i would but i'm gonna have to explain it first yes please do okay so one of my favorite techniques to teach um, is a combination of breathing techniques. It's the it's definitely a way of clearing out um, things that we've stored in our body and and in our energetic structure as well. Things that we're still carrying that is unresolved, um, unintegrated, that is sitting there waiting. And sometimes one of the benefits that I didn't mention yet, so many, is this healing that can come because the breathing releases some somatic things from your body um, and brings it to your awareness. Like, oh, I didn't know that about myself or that pattern of thinking or that pattern of behavior. When you start to get feedback from the outside world and you're more open to it, but because that energy is released, you now can see it and see it with more compassion, embrace it with more compassion as an opportunity to now resolve it now integrated but it was just lying there below your conscious but you are your beliefs are rooted there (laughs) and so it's coming out through your thoughts and your words and your actions and determining the trajectory of your life but your subconscious so it's a blessing it's it's really healing for that to come to the surface for you actually do something about it now that you're older and wiser than when that seed was planted because it probably happened as a child and as a child, you're having experiences that you can't make sense of. So you come up with some imagine, <laughs> fragment of your imagination to make sense of it. And then it stays there and you forget that that's why you think that or believe that. But it's rooted in something that happened when you're four years old. What did we know then? So there are behaviors that no longer serve us, but we still carry it on because we never question them. Or we're not aware of what they are. So it's, it's, it's really a gift for that to be brought to the surface for healing. So this breathing technique <laughs> is always sit on the edge of your chair. Check that your spine is both firm and relaxed as patently said, and set the intention to stay perfectly still. This is a practice on its own, just using the immobility of the body to help bring quietness to the mind. It's called Kaya Styrium. Kaya being meaning body, Styrium meaning stillness. So just as the mind, when it's agitated, it gives these impulses to move the body. The reverse is true. If we bring stillness to the body. If we make this decision to stay still, we can bring stillness to the mind. Just play with that 
idea for another minute. Staying perfectly mobile. And staying the neutral observer of whatever arises. We're going to continue with three cleansing breaths. These we take deeply in through the nose. And as you exhale, do so through your mouth and bend forward. That way we're wringing out the belly and exhaling as much carbon dioxide and other toxins as we can through our breath. And as we inhale deeply, we're taking in lots of oxygen that oxygenates our blood and helps us feel alive and vital, rejuvenated, energized. And now let's take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the nose. Like those full yogic breaths we started with. Inhale into the belly, mid chest and upper chest. Fill your lungs from the bottom up and exhale, pull your belly button in. Relax your mid chest, relax the upper chest. Let's do two more full yogic breaths. Belly, mid chest, upper chest. Exhale, pull the belly in. Relax the mid chest, relax the upper chest. One more. And now let's take a deep breath in. Hold your breath. Squeeze your root lock, those muscles that we use to stop us from peeing. Squeeze them. Put your chin down and your shoulders back. We're creating a pressure cooker by holding our breath. Try to relax your body as much as possible while holding the breath and just witness any thoughts, any resistance that the mind displays. And release. Exhale completely through the mouth. Let your breath come back to its natural rhythm. Let it become soft and light. And at the same time you're noticing thoughts. As the middle observer. You just see the thoughts come. You see them go. Feeling the breath soft and light. And slowly opening our eyes whenever we're ready. If you're feeling a bit spaced out right now, <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> This can be quite a powerful breathing technique, which you can do up to three times at a time. Um, beyond that, with guidance, because it can bring up a lot. It's releasing and squeezing out of the body things that may have been there for a while. So you want to do it in a tapered way, little by little. You don't want to open that can of worms 
of all your traumas and griefs in one go. This is why it's recommended to rather... What's the word I'm looking for? Moderate it. Allow it to, to taper through rather than just unleashing all demons <laughs> at once. All our demons. I think I think I need a challenge. You need a challenge? Yeah, like a, a week or two. And then come <laughs> back to you. <laughs> because I'm noticing differences in my posture, also the way I talk. Might be slight changes, but I notice them. Mm. And I want to delve more into this. I want to inquire more into this. But I see the importance of setting goals mm -hmm. and having a daily practice. Okay. So, so what are you proposing exactly? I'm proposing that we do a part two to the breathing exercise because it's, we are just mm. dipping our toes into the... Into the kiddie pool. <laughs> 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 yes, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's the awesomeness of it. There's so much depth that you mm. can come to. And this is why I emphasize that awe and wonder with the breath. Because there's a lot going on there. Beyond what the mind is able to understand. Yes. And that's yeah. beautiful to be able to explore with a softness, with intention, yeah. you know. With the willingness to go there rather than waiting for life to throw you the curveballs and you trying to bob and weave yes. <laughs> out, yes. out of the way. Yeah. But I want to do this breathing exercise while driving or <laughs> doing cooking. Or well, I'd love to see how you can drive and bend forward. <laughs> 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 exhaling through your mouth at the same time as focusing on the traffic. So, <laughs> That's impressive. two weeks. Two weeks? Yes. Two weeks of what? Of breath work. Okay. I would suggest we just do that round that we did. Yes. Now. One round of three cleansing breaths. Yes. In through the nose, out through the mouth, bending forward. Mm -hmm. Three full deep breaths, full yogic breaths that we learned. And then holding the fourth breath, shoulders back, chin down, creating that pressure cooker. Okay, deal. Okay. Mm. High five on there. Oh, high five on okay. there. Okay, that's, that's not what the kids are doing though. What are the kids doing? Uh, no, it's your first bumping. <laughs> Elbow bumping now yes. with COVID. Elbow bump, please. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's interesting because you know with. A lot of those things are, are generation specific. Mm -hmm. Where, like, when you were in your twenties or thirties, then you that was the cool thing to yeah. do. But this is like everybody you see, like yes. young and old, and everywhere in between, elbow bumping. <laughs> so it crosses age the age generation. Yes. It's fascinating, or is it just me? And it's COVID friendly. And it's COVID friendly. Yep. 
So the interesting thing about that breath retention, so breath retention is one of the many ways in which we can control our breath. We hold the breath. But this feeling, this physiological sensation and emotional feeling that you experience when you can't breathe is very closely associated with the fear of death. If you can't breathe, you can't live. Yes. So the fear of death is awakened when you hold your breath. But we're doing it under controlled circumstances. I mean, everyone's going to come to that point of death. But that fear of death is like kind of this threshold that we can explore consciously, safely, with our breaths, with our breath retention. So this fear comes to awareness, comes into one's awareness as you are hold, the longer you hold your breath, because the more the mind starts to complain of like, oh, I can't do this anymore. How much longer is this going to be? Blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking I want to die. Like, oh. that voice. <laughs> um, we explore and we question because we're dancing. We're playing in that area. So it's a therapeutic work that you're doing on a very subtle level. And that you can do with somebody or preferably with someone that can hold the space for you. And then when you are able to explore that and question that, the fear loses its power. It deflates. Yep. Yes. And if the fear of death is, as, as is commonly said, the root of all fears, then you are influencing all your fears, take, take, releasing the grip of you by doing this breathing technique. So it's, it's really powerful stuff. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> Go do it and then let us know in the comments uh, how it was for you. Oh, and one more thing that I wanted to mention in connection with breathing, something that people don't always, they might know that mantras are a part of yoga or certain kinds of yoga, but they don't acknowledge it as a breathing technique. So this is something that I think that you might even see benefit across religions because most uh, religions or belief systems have some kind of song or chanting as part of their practice. They sing hymns in the Christ Christian tradition, um, the Bilal Bangs, <laughs> as we say, hails um, with Islam. This the singing that's involved um, with with yoga, mantras. Mantras are a way of uttering sounds, maybe to mu a tune or music. And there's breathing that needs to happen in order to, to the, the length of the breath is determined by the, the syllables in the mantra. Um, and the pitch with which you sing and which part of your lungs you're using, if it's the diaphragm, if it's the ribs, if it's the clavicles, all of these influence the sound that, that comes out. So you're practicing all of these things when you are singing mantras, which is why it's a form of yoga. It's, it's powerful stuff um, that I highly recommend trying. Now, one of the, the downsides with mantras, often the, the lyrics or the sutras, the verses, um, are, are speaking about deities. And they are most closely associated with Hinduism, um, Shakti, Shiva, um, Ganesha, Kali, Tara. These are all 
Hindu deities that whose names we chant as part of the, the singing of the mantras. Now, most people, many especially orthodox religious people, would might take exception to singing these deities' names as if it's some kind of show of devotion or um, invoking something or changing your beliefs or it's changing your religion. It's like uh, there can be different degrees of paranoia on the spectrum. Um, so that can get people's back up and cause resistance and not want to sing it. But how I have made sense of this for myself and what feels true for me, and that's what each of us just need to do when considering this. It's not just a mental activity of weighing the pros and the cons and the evidence and whatever. It's about turning inwards and feeling what is true. And for me, what feels true is that all these deities, they, they represent different qualities that we either possess in full form, full bloom, <laughs> or in a seed form. And so by chanting their names, the qualities that they represent, we can cultivate in ourselves. So, for example, Ganesha is the remover of obstacles. That's a useful skill that we need in our lives because life will throw you curveballs and you need to have ways to remove those obstacles. So Ganesha's singing to Ganesha is amplifying that quality, that capacity in me to take action and clear the path. Um, so it's, it's an empowering mentality. So... That's how I prefer to think about mantras. And I find them beautiful, powerful, um, and highly recommended. In conclusion, I have a challenge towards me. And I hope other people will join me on this challenge. And I will report my findings in two weeks' time. Oh, wow, that's yes. awesome. Thank you, Chevy, yes. for stepping up to the plate. I'm so very proud of you. Showing up is half the battle. Yes. So, and we have another podcast in. Oh. For listeners. Yes. Yes. So, if any of this resonated with you, if you want more information of any of the things that we discussed today, mm. or if something needs clarity, or something completely different, then please leave a comment so that we can respond next time. Have an awesome March. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs>